Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City bassist, composer, and arranger Robert Castillo of the Kansas City Jazz Band, The Sextet. He grew up in Kansas City, graduated from North Kansas City High School in 2010, and at 18, he moved to Portland, Oregon for six years and then returned to Kansas City in September of 2016. Before coming home, he formed the Sextet, a band whose musical influences run from the contemporary noise sextet Snarky Puppy to Christian Scott to Beethoven. They just released their sophomore album called Blobcastle, and it's a great listen. We talked about his life and music, the band, and much more. So get to know him and the band and dig this interview, my friends. Robert, first of all, thanks for reaching out. Thank you for getting back with me, and thanks for sending the music over. I really enjoyed it. Awesome, man. I'm glad that you, that you enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and dive in here, and your background, you had some time up in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, but you grew up in Kansas City, graduated from North Kansas City High School in 2010. Talk to me about your life and how you grew up and got into jazz. Well, my, the first instrument I, I started taking lessons on was the piano, and then in fifth grade I started taking violin lessons. In seventh grade we didn't have cellos, so I took the cello. In eighth grade, we wouldn't have any basses, so I switched to bass. And then once I started really getting into the bass, um, I, I got invited to play in the, the middle school jazz band. And I realized that jazz bass is much more interesting than orchestral bass. And that's not to say that there aren't moments in orchestral bass when, you know, especially the Russian composers, they write a lot of interesting stuff for, for bassists. But middle school jazz, or excuse me, middle school orchestra, I'm playing a lot of whole notes when a middle school jazz band I'm, you know, soloing and, and comping and being creative. So that's kind of where my interest in jazz really came from. Right on. So what jazz albums in the beginning when you kind of got baptized into that world were really instrumental for you? I mean, anything with Paul Chambers on it, really. Um, I'm having a tough time thinking of, of anything specifically, but, I mean, let's get requests. The Oscar Peterson album with Ray Brown. I mean, anything with Ray Brown or Paul Chambers, those two, those two dudes are, are the best. Um, Let's Get Request, the Oscar Peterson album is so great. Um, and Soul Train uh, with, with Chambers. Those two are probably like the ones that, that I would say were the most definitive uh, at the beginning. You leave Kansas City, you move away at 18 for six years, then come back here in 2016. And in between there, the sextet is formed. So give me an idea of what moved you to Portland and how the beginnings of this band started. So when I, when I left KC, I went to go get my undergrad in jazz studies at North Central College, which is just west of Chicago. Um, and then a week after I graduated, my then-girlfriend, now wife, we decided to move to Portland just on a whim. <laughs> and so we moved, we moved out to Portland. And shortly after we arrived in Portland, I get a job as the elementary school music teacher in Fossil, Oregon, which is a small town, about 475 people, um, about three hours southeast of Portland. And I had a lot of free time out there. Super isolated. There's no cell phone service. The internet speed is is snail, slower than a snail. <laughs> um, so I have found myself with a lot of free time. And I had a keyboard and staff paper. And in my free time, I found I was writing a lot of music for for three horns, for like a, a you know, six-piece uh, jazz group. So after my year in Fossil, I moved to Portland, and I had all this music. So I went out to jam sessions and, and, and jazz clubs and just started getting in, into the scene, meeting people, and eventually formed a group. 
So that group is the Sextet, correct? That's correct, yeah. So what brought you back to Kansas City in 2016, last September? A lot of things, a lot of things. I mean, super bittersweet to be back home because um, I left, you know, the Pacific Northwest, which has the ocean and the mountains and the, the people who are so free. Um, but also here in KC, my family's here, my wife's family is here. My wife got an incredible job in, in her field over here. Um, the jazz scene in Kansas City is so much stronger where you can easily make a living here, whereas in, in Portland, not really so much playing music. You can buy a house affordably over here. Uh, the cost of living is, is much cheaper. Just, you know, a lot, of, a lot of pros to moving back home to Kansas City, and I definitely don't regret that decision, but I do miss the ocean sometimes. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, the one thing that gets me is I had a friend that moved back from Portland around the same time last year, and he had talked to me about jazz radio, and so they had a really good presence up there. They had a full-time jazz station. And the thing that I'm always yeah. blown away by is that, you know, being in radio and doing jazz is that we can't carry a 24-7 jazz sta station here. And it seems to me as though I don't know if, if if this market is scared of it or if it doesn't make enough money or they don't think there's interest. What do you think it is coming from a market like that to the market that, I mean, we're one of the four or five cradles, the originators right. of jazz music. How How is that not happening? You know, interestingly enough, when I first moved back to KC, that was, that was one of the first things that struck me, that we didn't have a 24-hour station. Because the one in Portland is so incredible. KMHD, oh, Matt Flieger is the, the head honcho over there. He does an incredible job. But when I came back, I actually formed a group of people who would be interested in, in building a jazz station. And Matt Flieger, the program director of KMHD, was answering every question I had. But then it got we hit a dead end when we realized that the FCC uh, only takes applications for new radio stations um, every so often. It's not periodic at all. And the last time they had one was 13 years ago. And so any station that comes around now is is um, basically whenever a larger company buys an, an already existing jazz station. So I, mean, I don't know when KC would get a 24-hour jazz station because, like you said, it, it, we really should. We have a... We we are one of the cradles, one of the homes of jazz. Um, I know that I know that the foundation has an online jazz station, and I've heard that uh, John Scott of the Green Lady Lounge is trying to get something going on like that, where he has an online radio station. But man, to have a 24-hour jazz station would be great. Not only to just play jazz all the time, but also to to play specifically the jazz of local musicians, because there are so many guys in town that are putting out such great music, and and I mean. I I stumbled upon hearing, oh, you know, this person just released an album. I, I wish I would have heard that from a more prominent source. At any rate, let's get back to the sextet. You guys have talked about your influences being Snarky Puppy, Christian Scott, and even Beethoven, and now you're on your sophomore album, Blobcastle, and it really is kind of a cascade of different influences coming into one. Talk to me about Blobcastle and how you feel about it. I feel as as I would imagine anyone would after releasing their newest album. Just that I'm I'm glad to now document where I am as a player, as a composer, um, and as a band leader. Really, that I feel that from that from the first album to the second album now, just so much has matured and progressed. That I'm like I said, I'm really glad to have documentation of where I am now. 
but I'm also feeling, oh man, there's so much more that I'd like to do now. Um, so I'm, I'm happy, very happy with it, but I also want to use it as a, a jumping off point for, for the next one even. Um, like you said, there's a cascade of sounds in there and, and I mean, I'm, <laughs> I really do enjoy the diversity of stuff that kind of came out through that, um, from the, the Bob line in B to the, the kind of like salsa Latin jazz thing I wrote for my mom with Lamona. The tune Not My President was inspired a lot by Gustav Holst, uh, uh, Mars, Bringer of War. There's like two pretty, pretty obvious allusions to, to that piece of his. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel good about the album, but I'd also like to, you know, I'm ready to, to move on from this one even and, and create something else. You know, it's interesting with Not My President, you know, today I'm listening to a retrospective of Vietnam on the radio. Um, the Bridge is doing kind of this this whole day dedicated to that. And I think about our modern times right now, and if there was ever a time where artistic voices needed to come together because there's things happening that we're not approving of, it would probably be now more than ever. And I want to know, with that song and with just the general vibe of the artistic voices coming through the different genres of music, how essential is it that people get their voice via music out there to get people thinking about things and maybe possibly making some inkling of change? Extremely, extremely important. Um, I remember shortly after, shortly after that, that Tuesday evening, whenever he won the election, um, a friend of mine said, well, Art is going to get, I think actually it was Matt Sliger, the director of, of KMHD, Portland Radio. He said, well, art and music is, are going to get really interesting now. <laughs> I think of, um, what's that, the Bob Dylan song, how many, how many roads must a man walk down? And just how influential that was. And, and sure, music with, with lyrics is, um, can connect more to a wider audience, but I also do feel that instrumental music, um, because it is, it does have that kind of vague uh, ambiguity to it, where there aren't words. You kind of have a, an idea of what the song is meant to be or feel like. Um, that that can connect even more so with the person. So I, I really do feel that at any point in time, it is important for a person to express how they feel about a situation, because in doing so, you're letting other people who feel the same way, who can relate to you know that there's a community for that and I mean that's how that's how change occurs when people get together and and of like mind and want to change something for the better without a doubt so how well do you guys flow as a band you got Teddy on trumpet Max on tenor sax Trevor on trombone Peter on guitar Fritz on drums how what is it about you guys that come together so well as the sex pet well what really did it was the tour we went on over the summer. Uh, I mean, there's a phrase, tour tight, where a band, you know, you're playing so often uh, that that you just understand the music so well. But uh, aside from that, I mean, um, Fritz, I was splitting, splitting shows with Fritz back when I was in high school, and it was so interesting. The first time I saw him when I moved back to KC, I, it was at the Uptown Arts Bar, and I said, I, Fritz, I remember you, we used to split bills together, and I had actually just had a dream the night before I saw him that he and I would be playing music together, and so that was, you know, call that serendipity or coincidence. Um, and then Trevor and I have been playing on trombone. Trevor and I, we've been playing music together, again, since before I left for college. Um, 
I would kind of write some music and we would play it. We would do shows in my parents' living room uh, and he would he would be the, the bone player on that. But yeah, man, man, with the tour, we just we just got along so well. There were zero conflicts on that entire tour. We were just pals hanging out, camping at free camp spots or crashing at friends' places. Oh, that was that was really cool. And then, you know, when we were playing the shows, we would play hours at a time and, and just really kind of... We got to the point where we were playing off the paper and just kind of experimenting with what felt right uh, then. Right on. So how do you feel about everything? You got your second album out. You're back in Kansas City. You guys are getting out and about. How's everything going? Really good. I mean, I'm doing a lot of uh, back-end stuff every day. That's something I kind of... Uh, told myself to do is every day do something to progress the band, whether that is practicing myself so that I can progress my own playing and, and what I can bring to the group or write something or send an email out or, you know, contact <laughs> Joe, <laughs> you know, just do something every single day so that the band is that much closer to that much, that much closer. So that I suppose it has that much more outreach and influence in the group. I mean, what I'd really like to do with with the group or with music, and I hope that this is any artistic person's intention, is to to make the world a better place or to change the world in some way so that it, it's now affected by you and what you've created. Uh, and, I mean, that's really the main thing. Um, I hope that with the stuff that I've put out that it changed things for the better. Uh, and I'm at a point where I want to just continue doing that. So you would so would it be safe to say in say ten years from now we talk, you're hoping that everything just gets bigger, better, more touring, more albums? Yeah, definitely. I mean I do like I said, Snarky Puppy Snarky Puppy is an influence and they for the mo for the better part better part of the ten years that they've existed, they've put an album out pretty much every year. There have been a few lapses and I do really want to follow that motto uh, model where I put an album out almost every year and, and by the point of 10 years where Snarky Puppy is, you know, selling out tours in Europe. That would be, you know, that that's the ideal. <laughs> That'd be really cool. So let me ask you this. Why do you love jazz? Well, that's that's an interesting question, and that actually ties in pretty nicely with the title of Blob Castle, right? Because there, there's an, some other background to the title of Blob Castle, but I also really enjoy the, the dichotomy of a blob that is kind of like this amorphous thing in a castle, which is rigid, where... The castle kind of represents the form of the music, of, of jazz music, and the blob kind of represents the how fluid it can be. Um, you know, I don't have to play it the same tempo, I have to play the same song or the same tempo every day. Um, the horns can add backgrounds if they want during the solo. I mean, the solos and the comping is different every time. The, that, that relationship of, of rigidity and freedom is what I love about jazz and, and just how emotional you can get in a solo and that the rest of the band will join in with you. Oh, man, it's just, it's so great. It's, <laughs> I love it. Right on. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of who you guys are as a band, your family, your friends, um, business associates, those that get your album. But what is your perception as a, as a group? Who do you think you guys are? Whoa, what an interesting question. Um, I mean, six six dudes having fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, six guys playing the music primarily of one, 
um, out there trying to say what we have to say and having a good time while we say it. I mean, I hope that I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it gets much much more complicated than that. Um, no, it, simplicity is the idea for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah without a doubt. You know, I think that kind of wraps everything up for me for for what, you know, the band, for you, for the music. I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. I'm looking forward to spinning you on the show for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate talking with you and, and again, really, and I'm really glad that you enjoy the music. That's all that I hope for. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Portland, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Robert for his time, his stories, and all that music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.